what you need is like a data backed strategy around is it a pro like is it just a photo of just the product right is it like just the mug and it looks really nice and there's like a hot beverage in it you know or is it like somebody enjoying something from that cup right so like is it a video like of a user or yeah. is it an influencer who has the mug and therefore you're trying to like ride off of the trust of the influencer so your very first set of experiments is on your content Growing a business requires a holistic approach that extends beyond sales and marketing. This approach needs alignment among people, processes, and technologies. So if you're a business owner, operations, or finance leader looking to learn growth strategies from your peers and competitors, you're tuned into the right podcast. Welcome to the WBS Podcast, where scalable growth using business systems is our number one priority. Now... Here is your host, Sam Gupta. Hey everyone, welcome back to another episode of the WBS Podcast. I'm Sam Gupta, your host and principal consultant at Independent ERP and Digital Transformation Consulting Firm, Elevate IQ. There are several strategies that you can explore while starting on your paid media journey. You can either go general or specific depending upon your target market and the audience. But the strategy that may work for B2C might not work for B2B. Unless it's a consumerized B2B business. Also, once you start on the consumer-driven content acquisition, you need to keep collecting data and experimenting until you have a clear working model. In today's episode, our guest, Rishabh Jain, discusses content-driven customer acquisition and content experimentation for e-commerce brands. He also discusses how brands can formulate their strategy while starting on the journey of paid media. Finally, he discusses why it is critical to have the purchase funnel and the customer journeys right to get ROI from the paid efforts. Let me introduce Rishab to you. Rishab is the co-founder and CEO of Fermet Commerce, a distributed commerce platform built to enable creators to embed brand direct shopping experiences on their own sites. Prior to that, he was an executive at LiveRamp where he led the new business teams successfully launching three new businesses inside of LiveRamp. Before LiveRamp, he co-founded two startups, one in solar energy and other in laboratory data sharing. With that, let's get to the conversation. Hey, Rishabh. Welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I'm excited to be here. Of course. And I'm super excited to have you as well, because the kind of insights that you are going to bring more from the content perspective uh, for e-commerce, uh, that's going to be really interesting. We have done a lot of episodes, but each story is different, right? So we are going to have a lot of fun with that. Do you want to kick it off with your uh, a little bit about uh, your intro as well as what you may be focusing on these days? Totally. Sure. Yeah. So right now I'm the co-founder and CEO of a company called Fermat Commerce. But prior to starting this company, I have sort of a, I guess one would call non-traditional path <laughs> into the world of uh, e-commerce. Yeah. So I first got my PhD in solid state physics from MIT. And as I was graduating, uh, sort of like randomly met this guy who happened to work at a company called LiveRamp. Um, and fell into the recruiting process. And as I started to meet the people there, I was, you know, I, I basically realized like 
oh my gosh, I have to work in tech. These people are incredible. And so ended up working at LiveRamp for six years. In the second half of my time there, I was responsible for building new businesses inside of LiveRamp. Um, and that's sort of when Apple made its announcement saying, hey, we're going to disallow you from tracking users from one website to another. Yeah. And that was sort of the big moment for me where I was like, okay, this is now a moment where the internet is fundamentally changing and I need to go start a company. And so that sort of led to uh, what I'm doing now uh, in, in building format commerce. Okay. Very interesting journey from PhD to marketing. So I guess, you know, we are probably going to touch a little bit, you know, how do you sort of, because the PhD is obviously very deep. I don't know. I mean, see if you find the same depth in marketing as well. So we'll be touching that. <laughs> Do you have any any counter and anything there by any chance? Oh man, <laughs> I guess though I guess my my point of view is that physics and my PhD was actually easier than than what I do now in some senses. You know, it's like in physics or in science in general, everything is like perfectly deterministic. But when it comes to business and marketing, um, you know, human nature is not perfectly deterministic, and so yeah. there's like you know, there's just much more to to think about uh, from a statistical point of view as opposed to a deterministic point of view. And so um, I would say that that in many ways, I am, in fact, I'm in fact more challenged now than I was during my PhD. Yeah, so very interesting. And we are going to touch a little bit more on that in terms of how these uh, two things sort of overlap, as well as, uh, you know, how that background is probably helping you with marketing. I think that's going to be very interesting angle as well. Uh, but before we do that, we have one of the um, standard questions that we ask every single guest that come on the show. And that is going to be, what is your perspective on business growth? Yeah, um, I think that generally right now, when it comes to business growth, I think that there are two things that uh, companies need to think about. So I think a lot about consumer businesses, right? Because I work in the e-commerce space. And so these are businesses who are selling to consumers. Yeah. But I also think that there is a... Uh, like similar fall on impact when it comes to growth for, for B2B businesses. So on the consumer side, I think that the big thing that people need to be thinking about right now is how do you profitably acquire a consumer given the changes in the ecosystem around not tracking consumers from one website to another. And so you've seen the mindset shift from 2021 where it was like grow at all costs. So yeah. like business growth, you know, grow at all costs to we need to grow profitably. And so thinking through very carefully, what does that actually mean in terms of how do you actually best manage the different channels that you have to actually acquire the consumer? What does it mean to be profitable on the consumer? What does it mean to retain the consumer? These are all things that are like uh, from consumer businesses standpoint is like actually unique uh, relative to B2B. On the B2B side, I think that the the very big thing that has changed is business buyers used to buy a lot of nice to have software yeah. and you're seeing everybody cut their budgets. And so now they are only buying need to have software. And so you're seeing very big shift in terms of like what types of software people are actually willing to buy versus, you know, they, they're getting cut from budget. So yeah, that's my general view on right now, like what's happening in business growth. No, could not agree more. I think you are spot on overall in terms of the market trend at this point of time. And yes, the businesses need to be slightly cautious in terms of what they are spending on and what they are undertaking. So now let's go back to the conversation. Number one, you mentioned the selecting the channels, I guess. That's probably going to be the key question because that is probably the first thing that you are doing where your customers are really hanging out. And if you cannot figure that out, 
then probably your marketing is not going to work, right? And for B2C, I guess the analysis that you are going to require is probably going to be critical as well. I don't know how deep you go in that, but maybe you probably need to have some sort of data point to be able to analyze. And I don't know whether you are working with the newer brands that are launching the products or are you working with the existing brands that might be exploring newer channels so or maybe talk about the differences in both yeah so actually this is a great great uh point so actually i have like a good story because actually i was fortunate to to host a webinar with one of the brands who we work with called hero bread yeah and the woman who led the e-commerce business there and the launch of the e-commerce business shared the story around how they actually um were specific in terms of who they went after in the beginning because they knew that there was interest for their product as opposed to going broad. So so this is a very interesting question. So right now in the world of consumer acquisition yeah. for for brands there is a pretty big debate happening. Yeah. On the one side there are people who are saying like hey you should use an ad platform like Facebook or Meta I guess now that allows you to target broadly and then let the algorithm learn and find the right consumers for you, right? So that's one camp. The other camp, which is what uh, this brand who we work with did, is to think through what is the interest that interest groups that are most aligned with my product. So they they have created a very like a very tasty uh, low net carb bread, yeah. right? And in doing so, their decision was, okay, I'm actually going to go after the interest groups first. And actually find the people for whom like keto is an interest, low carb is an interest, things like that. And actually be specific about the channels that I use and how I use those channels in order to acquire those customers. And in doing so, in less than a year, so they haven't even been around for a year, in less than a year, they have grown that brand incredibly fast, right? And it's because they actually were able to acquire the right customers because they knew who the interests, where the interests were, and they had the data on the back end to prove that. And so then what they they did is they used that data asset around where are the customers who are actually interested in low carb or keto bread? Yeah. And where where can I find those customers and what are the types of content and the types of people who build that content who are going to be most aligned with my existing customer base? And so then they double down on that strategy and I mean yeah, I mean, it's like kind of unbelievable that they are, you know, they're growing profitably. It's an excellent brand. And yeah, one of the fastest growing consumer brands that we've interacted with in, in, um, amongst the brands that we work with. Yeah. So very interesting story there. And we are going to unpack a little bit on that story and maybe draw some parallels. I'm always trying to figure out, okay, what can we learn? from the story and maybe what my listeners can learn from the story for their market segments. So here, obviously, this is very interesting that low carb, keto, I guess probably that's going to be super popular among certain groups and they probably care for these things. And I don't know what is the overarching trend with these things. My understanding is going to be that people are adopting to these things a lot more. I don't know about this economy, probably people are going to be slightly conscious, I guess, in terms of spending, because obviously they are going to be slightly more expensive in terms of the product offering. So let's say if you were to draw the parallel from this story to any other segments, so what would you pick? Let's say, I don't know, maybe I'm selling furniture or electronics. So what would be the variables that you are going to pick in these segments to do the same analysis and probably do the 
same targeting. Yeah, that's what, uh, this is exactly the 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 way to think about it. So actually, sort of the way that I framed it up front around there's this debate around going general and broad versus yeah. going specific. So first of all, the the first decision that you need to make in terms of how you are actually going out and start starting your customer acquisition is by like being realistic with yourself as to whether going general and broad and allowing the algorithm to figure it out or going specific is actually the better strategy for you. Yeah. Most businesses, I think, actually kind of know <laughs> like where their specific niche is up front, right? And even if they say like over time, any everybody in the US can be a consumer, right? So I think that the very first starting point is like, who is that niche? And then more importantly, who are the people in that niche? Who are the tastemakers in that niche? So the furniture example is a great example because like, I'll give you a highly specific way to think about it. So yeah. almost everybody who is sort of like thinking about how do I decorate my house? What furniture should I buy? Watches Fixer Upper. Okay. And, and they watch like these HGTV shows. And there are tastemakers on that show. So like Magnolia, right? Like with yeah. Joanne, Chip and Joanna Gaines, right? Like, by the way, this is like me being able to provide an analysis, not operating in the furniture industry. So this is kind of like easy yeah, yeah. for anybody to do. Yeah. And you can just figure out where are these people hanging out who, on online and who are the types of people who are following these people, right? So you can do this kind of easily on the major platforms like on Meta and on TikTok. And then what I would do is I would actually go and try to figure out how do I actually go after the consumer set that is like surrounding the tastemakers, surrounding that interest area. And that is the best place for me to start as a furniture company in terms of customer acquisition. You said a second thing, which I think is actually particularly interesting around it's more expensive. So you in this economy, are people going to do it? Yeah. I actually think that in this economy, the consumer is much more willing to spend than the business. Huh. I actually think businesses are much more cash constrained than the consumer. And in fact, if you look at things like how much is consumer uh, saving and spending right now on in sort of like the national bureau, like the, the, the national statistics that get released, we have the highest employment rate that we have ever had in history. And consumer spending is actually still going up. And so actually, the American consumer has way more money and has more income than they have ever had before. And so I actually think for consumer businesses, this is actually a great time. It's just that for B2B businesses, the selling cycle has become significantly harder because businesses are reducing spend, but I don't think consumers have yet reduced spend. Okay, so I think we need to unpack a little bit there, okay, uh, so that people can follow along. So here you are saying that we have the highest employment rate. So what that would mean is a lot of people don't have job. When they don't have job, then obviously they are not going to have money to be able to spend. No, no, no. Other way around, highest employment rate, the lowest unemployment rate in a 50-year history in America right now. Interesting. Okay, that is very interesting because my understanding was that that a lot of people didn't have job in this economy. Okay, very interesting. Okay, huh? Interesting. So now let's talk. I think. About I think. I think. Yeah, I think that the 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 thing that we always forget because you and I work in tech. It's like we see layoffs every day, you know? Yeah. And so like in like our immediate surroundings, it's like, oh, yeah, you know, like unemployment is going up because we see all these layoffs. But actually, the American consumer, the amount of unemployment across the country in general is at its lowest point in history, in a 50-year history. 
And labor participation is also very high. So the number of employed people who are making income, who have disposable income, is actually very high. And so, yeah, anyway, that's what I'm saying. Like B2B businesses have a particular problem right now. But if you're a consumer business, you need to be thinking about things in a totally different way that is actually like in the opposite direction of the stock market. Very interesting. So let's talk about B2B, I guess. I mean, we can probably park this uh, particular conversation right now and then probably we can come back on this one as well. But let's talk about B2B. So in the case of B2B, typically my experience when I look at any of the marketing spend, and I don't know whether you shared the same feeling or not, uh, for the B2B categories, but typically in the B2B space, when you are going to have a lot of competition in general, in our case, when we try to spend anything, you know, the paid media does not work as well as B2C. So I don't know where you sort of draw the the boundary in terms of which market segments are going to be the fit for performance marketing or for uh, paid media, as well as how do you decide that, okay, you need to have this much ratio or I don't know, maybe this much money to be able to go after this channel, uh, then only this is going to be the right fit. Do you have any sort of uh, insight there? In terms oh, totally. Of yeah. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Totally. So uh, first of all, I think if you're going to use like paid social as a strategy to acquire customers, yeah, you have to be targeting consumers or you have to be targeting consumer businesses. Okay. If you're targeting B2B businesses, I think it's actually very hard to use like paid social. And LinkedIn in particular is very expensive as a channel um, to buy paid media on, right? Yeah. Now, the way that you actually sort of economically figure this out, which like I'm sure there's like a marketer out there who knows this better than me, but the way that you figure this out is like, what is the actual ACV of the customer that you're going to end up signing up if you're a B2B business? And what is the amount that you can like reasonably expect to spend on just filling the top of funnel alone, right? Because it's going to have to go to a salesperson no matter what you do. Um, for, well, for most B2B businesses, right? And so generally speaking, that's the way that I would think about it. It's just like, what is a reasonable way to acquire that lead? But I actually think that paid social in particular is only an effective strategy for consumer businesses or for B2B where the business that you are selling to is a consumer business. Yeah, very interesting. So now let's touch a little bit, uh, you know, based on the overall, I think we have discussed the acquisition strategy. We have also discussed some sort of, you know, budget, you know, how to think about which channel to go after. Now let's look at some of the scenarios where, I don't know, let me see if you are going to have any sort of examples where the this marketing did not go so well uh, because in this particular case they are obviously crushing it uh, and uh, the brands that really struggle uh, do you have any insights in terms of what they do incorrectly that they either don't get the ROI or their marketing spend is not going to be as, um, as as well as these guys yeah i actually think that this is like largely a big divergence in terms of how people are um, either they're how they're looking at their economics or how they're looking at the data that's coming in with respect to who is actually an acquired customer. So yeah. the way today most people do it, and again, this is because up until two years ago, Facebook was just like, you put $1 in, you got $3 out. And so you never had to think about it. You never had to do the backend analysis of like, who is actually a good customer for me? How do I acquire that customer profitably? The, the people who are doing it best today do two things. 
the first thing that they do is that for the customers that they bring in, they have really good data on what is the type of uh, media or creative that has brought that customer in. And then more importantly, they're able to do great cohort analysis on the back end around the retention and the lookalike and the LTV of that customer on the back end, right? So it's like, not only do I understand the economics of what types of content and what types of creative are actually most effective in bringing in the customer, but I can actually paint a picture. You know, like when I do this, I get customers who buy my product once. And when I do this other thing, I get buy, I get customers who want to repeat purchase, you know, like 50% of the time, you know, yeah. which is like really great repeat purchase rate. And so then they're actually doing all of this data analysis on the back end in order to paint a picture around which content strategy is actually working best for them. In conjunction with that, they are running their ads from a sort of like CFO standpoint. So they know that for every dollar in, what is exactly my ROAS? What is the average order value? What is the actual cost per acquisition? Like they understand the economics of the acquisition for the item that they are selling through that ad, right? And that, again, these two things, you did not have to do these two things three years ago, but now the people who are doing it well are doing these two things very well because they know that they need to think about their acquisition in a totally different way. Okay, very interesting. And uh, you wanted to talk about the content-driven strategies as well. I think this sort of ties up with what you were trying to describe overall in terms of how to sort of approach the content and then you have to obviously select the media as well. Uh, which media to go after. And I don't know if there is going to be any sort of uh, formula in starting. So you started, you know, based on channels, but then do you go after some sort of display ads or is it going to be, and in social, I, I guess it's probably going to be different. So I, I guess if you want to talk about these specific channels and what kind of media types are going to be right fit for each of those channels and how brands can really decide on those, I think that could be meaningful as well. Yeah, yeah, totally. Um, so actually I'll get like very granular <laughs> and specific. So, yeah. um, let's just pick one channel. Okay. Yeah. So let's just say we're talking about meta, which is yeah. like the biggest ad channel for almost any consumer brand. Right. Yeah. And let's just say you sell like mugs and bowls. Okay. Yeah. So like the, the very first question you need to ask is like, what types of content about either mugs or bowls is going to drive clicks to the purchase funnels to actually end up with a purchase, okay? Yeah. And what you need is like a data-backed strategy around, is it a pro like, is it just a photo of just the product, right? Is it like just the mug and it looks really nice and there's like a hot beverage in it, you know? Or is it like somebody enjoying something from that cup, right? So like, is it a video like of a user or yeah. is it an influencer who has the mug and therefore you're trying to like ride off of the trust of the influencer? So your very first set of experiments is on your content, okay? So you have to run experiments and get the data and understand what types of content is actually resonating the most effectively with your consumer. Then you have to merchandise it. So is it actually the mug or the bowl that is more effective to sell through that ad, right? right? And then you actually have to run experiments because most brands have multiple SKUs, right? Like they have multiple items that they could possibly sell to the customer. And the question that they need to answer is, which is the item to hook somebody with? Okay. Once you say decide, make a decision on which is the item to hook somebody with based again on data and experimentation, then what you need to do is put them into a purchase funnel 
that allows them to buy that item very easily without getting them distracted by the other items in your store. Right. So let's just say it's, let's just say what you have learned is the most effective strategy is a piece of content, which is a person drinking a coffee from a mug. Yeah. That shows like, you know, this is like an ember mug, right? I'm holding an ember mug um, for people who are, are listening. And when I'm drinking the ember mug, it's like, you know, you could like, show me drinking a hot beverage at like 12 o'clock and then the clock goes to like 1.30 and it's still a hot beverage, right? And and it's like very obvious and apparent like, wow, he's still enjoying the hot cu- hot coffee because the mug is keeping the coffee hot, right? And so then what happens is like, great, I want to buy this mug. I don't want to get distracted by anything else. You take me to a purchase flow that allows me to buy that mug very easily. And and then, and that's sort of like how how we at Vermont think about like, content driven customer acquisition is you have to experiment on the content what product to drive somebody to and then ensuring that the purchase funnel for that product is as effective as possible given you now know what your content strategy is right and so that's how you get a lot of leverage out of your customer acquisition is just by being really clear about the different components of the funnel that can actually drive the purchase event to happen. Okay, so very interesting. And obviously, there are a lot of layers there. So I am probably going to get more specific there. Okay. <laughs> so initially, when you sent out this ad, and obviously, you have the bowl, uh, you have the mug, and probably you have the influencer as well. So is it more of the broad content that you are not sending out for the purchase? Or what was the intent of the initial content? Is it some sort of, uh, you know, video image? Is it just a, some sort of post on a Facebook? And then how are you measuring which specific component of that ad are working? Because you are able to measure, I guess, based on your description, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically what I'm saying is that what brands need to do is actually build multiple pieces of content so they need to like actually build like content which is just the product they need to build content which is the product with a person they need to build content which is product with the influencer and they need to run experiments on the ad platform and understand if they're which one their audience is responding to and from there be very deliberate about driving the sale for the product that they are choosing to put into their content and i think that I think a lot of brands are getting very good at the sort of content experimentation side. Yeah. But I think where people are lagging or where they're sort of not yet fully caught up is once you have that content that's working to get people to actually enter the purchase funnel, how do you actually make sure that if it's this mug, how do you make it as easy as possible for the person to purchase this particular mug? without getting distracted by everything else that's on your website. And why is that? So let's say if the person comes on the website, they're going to have some sort of landing page. So is the organization of the landing page that is distracting them or are they seeing too much or are they not seeing inventory? So what is going on (laughs) after they land on your website? Because you should have complete control, right? Yeah, totally. But this is where it's like very hard because every piece of basically what you're saying is like, it's your website, you should have complete control. But the problem is that you're running multiple types of content at every point in time. So yeah. what you're actually describing is like actually a multi, uh, it's like a multi landing page problem, right? So like every brand is probably running like a hundred pieces of content at every point in time, yeah. right? Because different content lands with different cohorts yeah. of customers and and every piece of content needs to have their own landing page 
And within that landing page needs to have a purchase flow that can be completed simply by the consumer. And I think that where most companies, I mean, why this is so difficult is most companies don't have the resources to create a hundred pages, a hundred different landing pages with a hundred different purchase flows for every piece of content, right? That's what, that's why it's a hard problem. And, and, and that's, I mean, that's like actually why we built our company is we want to solve exactly that problem. We help you like, I don't want to make this an ad, but like we, 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 we make it, we make it trivial for people to create a store for every piece of content. So, but I think that, I think what we're talking about more importantly is like the actual crux of the issue, which is like, yes, you should be able to do this, but in today's world, it's just way too hard. Exactly. I guess, you know, once you involve the financials and time, everything becomes so hard, right? <laughs> That's where the challenge is. So I guess what you are talking about is, let's say if you have 10,000 different SKUs and each of those 10,000 SKUs, even if I multiply by three based on the content scenarios that you have mentioned. So now we are looking at 30,000 different experiments and I'm pretty sure you are probably going to have 10 more. Uh, you can probably multiply by that. So then you are looking for those many customer journeys. So obviously it becomes very hard. So how do you sort of limit yourself? Is it going to be based on the product? Is it going to be based on the number of channels that you are targeting to? Is it going to be based on the number of experiments? So how do you sort of pick and choose in terms of which one to go after? Uh, we we don't we we make it easy to to like uh, make like hundreds or thousands of customer journeys actually. So like for us personally, like that's exactly the job that we have decided to to go and solve is like how do we make a journey and like how do we make it such that it takes if you can build an ad creative, yeah, we like it. We make it such that that is the hard part. So like it is no longer the case that the landing page and the customer journey is the bottleneck. Now the bottleneck is how much creative can you produce? Because we have made it so easy to create a customer journey that um, the only bottleneck is how much how much different content can you actually produce in order to attract your customers at the top of the funnel, which is why you know, I was sort of starting with like, hey, this content experimentation is really the most important thing because that's fundamentally limited by like how many people can you get to produce like a photo or a video with your content, right? And so now all of a sudden that becomes the bottleneck, not the not the journey. Right, right. So basically, you know, brands need to be thinking about number one, producing the content, which is going to be your photos and videos that is going to drive the traffic to the landing page. But they are probably building the landing pages themselves as well, because whatever photo you are going to show during the acquisition, once they land on your website, they probably need to see the same mug. If they are seeing something else, then obviously there's going to be a problem, right? (laughs) Exactly, exactly right. Exactly right. Exactly right. Yeah. So how do you, that's what I was, that's a question I was asking. Okay. So once I produce the content, then it's going to be easy to uh, have 3 million journeys. That's not a problem, but I mean, you, you need to decide because it's all um, tied to the financials because there is going to be a cost of finding these uh, photo guys, the video guys, then the landing page guys, then <laughs> everything oh, has yeah, to be yeah, yeah, yeah. Right? Sorry, sorry. Oh, totally, 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 totally. And, and, and what I'm trying to suggest is like, the way that you make that decision is is based on um, the first set of experiments we were talking about, which is what is the content and what are the products that are actually most effective for your customers. So, like, hopefully, you've already done the experimentation in the top of funnel, yeah, to know like, hey, here are the twenty instead of thirty thousand, like, here are the twenty to thirty or you know up to a hundred 
usually that are the most effective. And then there's no other bottleneck other than that. Like, like the whole idea is that what you want to do is you want to get to a place where the experimentation and the way you make the decision that you're talking about is purely driven by what is the right content and what is the right product. Okay, very interesting. Are you seeing any specific trends in terms of, uh, you know, performance yeah. marketing at this point of time? Because, you know, when I look at the macroeconomic conditions, okay, so most of the tech companies, especially, they are trying to play with their algorithm. That's my understanding. Uh, obviously, you deal with this uh, far more than I do. But when I look at, you know, the performance of the ads, I don't know if you're seeing any sort of changes there. Uh, overall, in terms of the social media visibility, when I look at my own content, uh, it's not performing as well as it used to do six months back because obviously when the ad revenue is going to come down, then these guys have to do something so that, you know, people are not getting free right. So organic is not going to perform as well. I don't know. Uh, exactly. Do you, exactly right. right. Exactly. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. So we're seeing, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, yeah, like you're exactly right. First of all, organic does not perform as well as paid because basically what's, I mean, you, you described the best, right? It's like, the 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 platforms have an incentive to make sure that you actually need to spend money in order for your content to get visibility. So that that's true. The second thing that's true is that the best performing content is content that has the product and a human that looks like another person like you and me in the content. And it's like a video of like me using the product or enjoying the product or whatever it may be, right? That's the second component that's true about the content that performs the best. And then the third component is that it's actually going back to the first story that we were talking about. That content is being placed in places where there is an understanding of an interest existing. So the brand knows like, hey, here are the types of people roughly who are going to be most effective. Um, And if you can get those three pieces, then I think that your performance from a performance marketing standpoint is going to be much better than the average uh, average brand. Yeah. Okay, so very interesting. So let's uh, take one more twist on this particular situation. So here, obviously, the, their revenue is going to going down. If you look at Google Meta at this point of time, they are not, all are not doing as well as they used to do before, right? So their revenue is going down. Exactly. The organic is not performing as well because obviously they are incentivized sort of to promote their ad so that they can get the revenue. But then the companies are cutting down on their marketing budget. So they are not spending as much. And typically in my mind, the way I like to think about these things is it's all supply demand, right? Uh, The way ads work. Uh, Somebody is trying to bid. So are you seeing any interesting trends there? Because I don't know if the tech companies are trying to earn more on the ads. Uh, but since the marketing budget is cut down, are they cheaper now? What, what are you sensing overall uh, from the performance as well as from the cost perspective? Okay, so I mean, first of all, you set this up really well. So with less spending, I mean, supply and demand always works, especially in ads. And so, yeah, the price of ads has gone down. Um, and in fact, in Facebook's most recent earnings report, uh, so their Q4 earnings report, they actually publicly stated that their price per ad went down 22%. So bidding on an ad has actually become cheaper over the last uh, like few months, basically. But what you're also seeing is budgets are shifting yeah. into even more accountable forms of advertising. So Meta was down 4%. Google search ads was down 2%. 
but Amazon ads was up 19%. So it's not as simple of a story as just like total marketing budgets are shrinking. Yeah. It's that marketing budgets are reducing, but there's also reallocation happening where people Mm -hmm. want to make sure that their dollars are even more accountable. And so Amazon, typically the majority of their ads are bottom of the funnel, right? Because you're searching for a product on Amazon, whatever you see in the ad, the likelihood that you buy it is very high. It's very bottom of funnel advertising. And so people have shifted their budgets from other forms of advertising into bottom of funnel uh, Amazon advertising. And you can see that in the actual earnings reports. And so both of those things are true. You are seeing the reduction in the cost of the ad and you're seeing budget reallocation. All right. Amazing insight. So that's it uh, for today. Do you have any last minute uh, closing thoughts or advice for our listeners? No, I mean, I think we covered a lot of ground very fast. So <laughs> I I think that this is like, I, I'm, I'm kind of like uh, amazed at the speed with which we've covered a lot of ground. I would say that if there's sort of a takeaway that I would want somebody yeah. to have is like, uh, as you think through your content strategy, um, especially if you're a consumer facing brand, my, my piece of advice is just make sure that your content is actually optimized against your purchase journey. Um, and the better you can do that, the more likely it is that you're going to get great performance from your from your channels. Could not agree more. And my personal takeaway from this conversation is also going to be it's all about consistency and congruence when it comes to any sort of marketing effort. So make sure it is going to be there. On that note, thank you so much for your time. This has been a powerful episode. Thank you. I cannot thank our guests enough for coming on the show, for sharing their knowledge and journey. I always pick up learnings from our guests and hopefully you learned something new today. If you would like to learn more about Rishav, head over to fermentcommerce.com. It's F-E-R-M-H-E-C-O-M-M-E-R-C-E.com. Links and more information will also be available in the show notes. Also, don't forget to subscribe and spread the word among folks with similar backgrounds. If you have any questions or comments about the show, Please review and rate us on your favorite podcasting platform or DM me on any social channels. I'll try my best to respond personally and make sure you get help. Thank you and I hope to catch you on the next episode of the WBS Podcast. Thank you for listening to another episode of the WBS Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcasting platform so you never miss an episode. For more information on growth strategies for SMBs using ERP and digital transformation, check out our community at wbs.rocks. We'll see you next time.